and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. I mean, he does so many things for this team that, I mean, it does appear that they're missing it a little bit. Like the fact that they can go small with him and play him at the four or the five, depending on the matchup. Uh, and the fact that he also is a smart playmaker and good passer uh-huh. is like, you know, this team has really struggled with that this season. And, and, and he's a good guy that can connect he can help get guys out of trouble and and set up another situation on the other side of the floor, like a, a little bit like what Gary Payton did in that first game. Uh, and you know, without justice, it's like now they're missing the two guys that do that. And you know, Winslow had been doing that most of the season. And while he doesn't score a lot, and the Blazers bench doesn't score a lot of points, having him there to help everyone else score is 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 missing. Like that, that, that I think having just justice back would be, would be a major lift, but to your point, uh, he had been playing hurt for, it seemed like he would have been playing hurt for a while there. This whole thing and just the way that they just are continually not executing and turning the ball over. I said this a little, I went into this a little bit on Twitter the other last night after the Raptors game. I try not to do too much on Twitter these days. Cause it's just, you know, it's, it, it, it can be a lot like, the, well, I, immediately I, after a game, too, it's just like everyone is so raw. I take the I, like, I I monitor. I've talked about this before. I don't really engage on social media anymore, but I you know I keep tabs. I watch what's going on on Twitter. I watch what's going on on Reddit. I've been there. There's a couple of Discord servers that I'm in. I you know I I keep tabs. And this after this three game losing streak on this road trip, this is as bad as it's been in terms of fan mood and fan morale since the preseason when they went the the only game that they won in the preseason was against the Israeli team so they lost all their games against NBA teams and people were talking about man this team is going nowhere they should just trade Dame and rebuild around Shaden and Keon like that's i like i remember those like and like oh yeah that was games that, that was... no one games that nobody was watching, <laughs> mind you. Like games that aren't even broadcast on TV. Right. People games that no one was like unless you were physically at these games, you had no idea. Uh, you had no idea what the what the what was going on in these games. Uh huh. And people were making takes out of that, out of just like the oh, box yeah. score. And so like this is a little bit different because these are actually games that these people are actual are watching. Games. Yeah, but. I mean, just after every one of these games, it's, you know, fire Chauncey or trade this guy. Like, I want to get, I want to ask you a little bit about the coaching thing and kind of where you're at. We talked a little bit with Chauncey as far as like the challenge thing. And I think I agree with you about that. I am still, I try not to get too much into coaching stuff because being like a basketball X's and O's analysis expert is not really, has that's not really ever been my lane and my wheelhouse. And so I, don't really like to get too much into like, you know, this guy isn't calling this play or he should be running the, you know, this action. That's not really me. 
I well, do. I'd like, I'm... To, I'd like to address one of the things okay. that, like, I think uh, they had a bad third quarter. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. So the the conversation comes around to, well, what was said at halftime that has these guys so off, and people well, like, okay, first of all, I, guys missing shots for six minutes. I don't think you. I, I'm pretty sure Chauncey did not say. Did not tell them to miss shots for six minutes in that first. In, the looks that they were getting were also mostly good looks. And and secondly, like we were at the Charlotte game the other night, which uh-huh. was a bad game for most of it. To everyone that was in everyone in the Blazers locker room, because we asked and we asked the coach too, like what happened to Nurk in the second half of that game. And basically, we didn't get full details, but basically, the, the the synopsis from all the players were and Chauncey was and Nurk himself was that Chauncey got into him. Which is not the first time that's happened. It's not the first time it's happened. (laughs) From what I've heard. I just think that, like, there is uh, an element of, like, wanting to assign things and, like, wanting to find the reason. Which, like, we all want to find the reason why the Blazers are struggling. Like, that is totally it. But I don't think that there's, like, a lack of, like, hands-offness or... Uh, one of the things that I've been reading is that the players have tuned Chauncey Billups out. I haven't heard anything resembling that. No, I haven't seen, we've been, I've been like, I've been doing this now with the Blazers for, um, for 10 years now. Mm -hmm. I know what it feels like. And like, this is not that. And like, the fact that like they can talk frankly amongst themselves, even before the last trip, they were, Drew Umex was telling us about how, the team had a lot of heart to hearts after the Detroit or, you know, when GP came back about their defense and how bad they were. And the locker room was having that conversation. It's like that to me, doesn't seem like a team that has tuned out their coach. I have covered plenty of teams that have tuned out their coach. When I was in Chicago, yeah, you I covered a lot of bulls. Teams. I had the, <laughs> I had the, I had the last year of Tibbs. There were, you know, the in-exit interviews, the last Tibbs year, which was the year they lost to Cleveland in the second round. They had already, like, the front office, like, things were so broken between Garpax and Tibbs by that point that they had already made the decision that they were going to fire Tibbs, but they still went through the motions of asking all the players at exit interviews, do you want Tibbs back? There were only two players that said they wanted him back. One of them was Derek Rose because he had, like, had his back during all the, you know, injury stuff. And the other one was Taj Gibson, who's never going to say anything bad about a coach and is like the ultimate company man and like locker room, you know, peacekeeper and all that. Everybody else, even guys who are like, quote unquote, Tibbs guys like Joakim Noah, like they all wanted him gone. Everybody was over it. And then, you know, who do they replace him with? Fred Hoiberg, who, you know, I had the Rondo Wade Butler year. Jimmy and Wade didn't take Hoiberg seriously. That was, and then even like here in Portland, like you can say that maybe some guys tuned out Terry Stotts by the end. And then even last year, like, I'm talking about the first half of last year before they shut down Dame and decided to tank. There were guys who, when you know, when, when you know, they were getting blown out early on in the season, and Chauncey was getting up after these games saying, "My guys are not playing with any heart or any effort," and was just like lighting them up in these press conferences after every game. There were some guys, most of whom are yeah, they're not even here anymore. Who are not here anymore? <laughs> but like I, even with this coach, I have seen a previous team that was maybe tuning the tuning him out. I that is not what I hear or think is happening this year yeah i i i i agree and and also i think it starts because dame the star player has a very he dame i we we don't have to talk about like the loyalty shit it's just like right he he i don't want to talk about that i just want to talk about like how he just like he 
takes care of his business. He's a star player. He listens to the coach. He is aligned with the coach. Everyone else falls in line. And that's he's not going to, he's not going to throw guys under the bus publicly. No. And so like, I just think that that is generally like the, and, and, and I think too, like this team is, it's a different group of guys that I think in general, all have a respect for Dame. Cause they're all younger work. guys. They're all, they're all younger guys, but also they see him putting in the work and yes. like, when you see it, it's not just like he's a star and he's over here. Like he's a star and he treats you like a human being and he treats you like one of the team. And it's like, so I think because Chauncey has Dame, Dame has the team and therefore Chauncey has the team. So I, like that, I think, I think all of those things go together. So I think to just like maybe dispel that notion that the team is tuning Chauncey Billups out because they're having a rough patch, I think is important to note that it's probably important to dispel that notion at this point in the season. That's it would where, be, we are, where we are right now, that hasn't happened yet. So just sorry. It would this be is what it is. It would be easier if it was the case, though, because right. we be like, like there's nothing there's nothing really for us to point to. You can't say, oh, well, because because I mean, you look at what's going on in Atlanta. It's very obvious that Trey Young and Nate McMillan aren't getting along. And that's, you know, at the root of a lot of these issues. You look at, you know, there are some teams where it's like, you know, like last year in Utah, like clearly Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell didn't get along and didn't like playing with each other. And that's what a lot of the issues were. As in this team, it's like, okay, everybody gets along. There's no issues between guys on the team that I know of, or if they have, if there is, they've been kept pretty well under wraps and we're in the locker room pretty regularly when they're at home. That's not anything I've heard about. I haven't heard anything about guys being checked out on the coach or guys not liking the coach or being that unhappy with their roles. Like, I, I haven't heard anything like that. I just, I, and, and it really, the other thing is we've seen at the beginning of the season, the first two weeks, you know, they had that, they started off five and one before they, uh, you went on that first road trip. And then they went on that road trip and went four and two. And like, so we've seen that this team, this exact roster, this exact group of guys, they're capable of being really good and winning on the road and beating good teams on the road. And then it just but hasn't also happened. Ca- but they're also capable of losing <laughs> to bad teams. I mean, I mean, actually, you guys, the one thing they haven't really done yet is lose to like a truly bad team. Right. Like I said, they've they've beaten they've beaten Charlotte twice. They've beaten Houston twice. They've beaten San Antonio twice. They've beaten Detroit the one time that they play them. Those are the only four teams in the league that are truly just like out and out bad teams that are like already firmly in the Victor Wembanyama thing. Because like even Oklahoma City, they should have gotten at least one of those two games in Oklahoma City. But Oklahoma City is not on the same level. I mean, they beat a a couple weeks later. They blew out the Celtics. Celtics, who've been the best team in the league so far. Celtics, and they didn't even have SGA. So like. Like this happens in the eighty-two game season. Like I, 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 it's not to it's not to say that like what the Blazers did this past you know six weeks to two months has been good, but like it happens to everybody for the most part uh-huh. in, in the league, and especially now where the league is everybody's mid. Like everybody <laughs> is there's no truly run like the Celtics were that for the first six weeks of the season and have kind of really hit this rough patch as of late where they're just not playing as well. And so it's just not like there isn't that team where you just like, wow, like they're just been so dominant all season long. Haven't had a rough patch. Like look at the nets. Like where they just lost Durant for a month. Right. They just lost Durant, but they were on top of the world for six weeks after, you know, the Kyrie debacle and they were all the way at the bottom. Then they're all the way at the top. And now KD's out for a month. 
Like Phoenix this, looked like the best team in the West for the beginning of the season, and now you know Devin Booker's out for a month, and they're right back into being in a tailspin. And the same like DeAndre Ayton bad vibe stuff from the off season is kind of starting to come back, and Chris Paul is looking a lot more like a 36-year-old Chris Paul than maybe he looked the last couple of years when everybody thought the decline was coming. It's actually coming now. Like the Clippers, yeah. The Clipper, the Clippers. They look good at times, but they just hey, they can't get guys healthy consistently. Right. It seems like it's going to be like a similar situation to last year, where like, yeah, if they get in the tournament, they are. You don't want to play against them, but we, we are they going to be able to make it? Are are they going to have enough? Got like, are they going to be able to string enough games together with Kawhi with PG? And, and it does seem like some of their pieces, just you know, the the core group of the PG and Kawhi thing, like. It seems like it's not working. And so, like, you know, Portland, like, as much as they are having struggles, like, and there are frustrations and there are uncertainties about this group moving forward and guys that, you know, are going to be coming up for extensions or maybe have last year on their contract uh, coming up to the trade deadline, I do think, like, it's you're not in the worst place to be right now in the Western Conference. And I think a lot of teams in the West are where Portland is, where it's like, they're in a state of flux right now, but I do think Portland has had better stretches of good play than some of the other teams in this predicament right now that I think you could reasonably say that they can correct themselves and they can improve and still make the playoffs. They Um, can do it this month. So like right now I've got the standings up in front of me. We're recording this at right now. It's about four 30. So I think games have started on the East coast right now. So by the time you listen to this, this might be like one day out of date, but as of right now, when I have the standings up in front of me, they are in 10th, which is really a three-way tie for the eight, nine, 10 spot in the, in the play in standings. They are three games back from fourth. You know, who's fourth, the Dallas Mavericks who they play twice in the next week. So, so there you go. You like, win. I don't think they're going to win both of those games, but you win both of those games. Now suddenly you're in a lot better shape. Right. And, and, and so like, and that's the other thing about specifically to the West, I think, you know, the top three teams, it seems like it's pretty locked in, but even there, like New Orleans, a lost Zion for a month. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say, give them credit. Cause they've been doing it without Brandon Ingram for yeah. this pretty much this entire time. So they will probably figure it out, but they could, they haven't really had that bad stretch yet. Neither has Memphis. Neither has I mean Denver kind of Denver had a started off the year kind yeah. of shaky, but then they've 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 kind of had the opposite of the Blazers thing, where like the beginning of the season, you were just like, oh, I don't know if they're gonna be as good as everybody says. And now it's like, no, they're fine. Yeah, they're they're good. I think Denver's gonna be okay, but like because they already had their kind of struggle. But like New Orleans and Memphis, they could have I still trust them to to take care of it, but everyone else, like what if Luca is out for a little bit? What if he like like what happens to Dallas? Like Sacramento could have their threes go stop going in for a while, and maybe they don't start. They they go on a cold streak or Sabonis, Sacramento four and six in their last ten. They lost two in a row. Right. I mean, I'm saying and Sabonis is like playing like a madman, but like he's playing with he, he's playing through a thumb thing right now. Though. But I'm saying if he cools off, like these are all things that are like could are not like the craziest, most outlandish scenarios, and it's just like can Portland get right at home and, and maybe they can. And I think they're capable of it. They've been, they've shown us that they can put together a stretch of winning play on the road. Now they have to do it at home, which you would think they'd be able to do. This is what I wrote on uh, over the weekend. I think this column went up on Saturday for Rose garden report subscribers, just about how 
big these next two weeks are because like you said they have an opportunity to kind of get right at home and they're either going to do it or they're not and that's going to influence you know I, we're still i think a little bit a ways out from any kind of talk about what's going to happen at the trade deadline today's january 9th uh, the trade deadline is february 9th so it's exactly a month away i still haven't really heard anything as far as chatter and rumors and you know guys that Portland's looking at or not looking at like that's still all pretty quiet right now just because I think every team like everything is so tight right now as far as the standings that every team is still talking themselves into hey the guys that we have are enough and so there isn't really there hasn't really been like buyers and sellers that have emerged so we're still a little bit too you know early for the deadline but over the next two weeks that's gonna change and if Portland you know if if these guys go free agents can be trade for every free agent yeah, be traded that's, starting in six days. They, yeah, every, which, every free agent that's signed could be traded. Affects you know the Blazers in certain ways, and not just with the you know the Blazers, but also with uh, I don't know Phoenix. Just just throwing a team out there hypothetically, the yeah. other team that might need like a vibes reset. I'm not reporting anything. I just I'm just uh, or like I mean Toronto. I mean they played yesterday. I know Toronto won, but like. They just there was a big thing on ESPN today yeah, about how, about how Toronto is going to potentially dictate the trade deadline. I think, I think that's overblown, by the way. I, I, I also I, cool because I also think like I mean, you are we really going to believe that Toronto is going to affect the trade deadline more than the Jazz? I don't think Toronto is going to trade OG or Pascal. I think that they are going to try to trade Van Vliet and, and Gary, Gary Trent. Trent. I don't. Yeah. I think from what I've heard, like they aren't. They are open to talking about Ananobi and Siakam, but what they're asking for for both of them is like what the Jazz got for Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And so I just I would be shocked if anything like that happened in season. I think that that I think that they're the idea that they're gonna blow it up at the deadline and have a fire sale, I think that's a little bit overblown. Utah, I think, is a little bit more likely that, you know, Mike Conley could be out there. I think I've heard that like Jordan Clarkson is probably not gonna be traded, but like Markkinen, uh, Jared Vanderbilt, who's a guy that Dame has publicly said he wants to play with. So that you know, I don't know. But like, but my point, my whole point is, I don't want to get too deep into like trade hypotheticals because, again, I haven't really heard anything as far as you know who they may or might not be looking at. But Joe Cronin has said since media day that he wants to use the first part of the season as like an evaluation of what they have before he decides what to do or not to do at the deadline. And my point is kind of that these next two weeks are going to tell them a lot about, like, like let's say they go, like, you know, they, they have 10 games this month at home and they're against, you know, good teams. Let's say they go 6-4 and four in these in these games against tough teams and it looks like they righted the ship. Maybe then it becomes, hey, you know, this team is good enough. You know, we think, you know, we've righted the ship. We got through this rough patch. Maybe we're good enough that let's, you know, trade a few pieces and try to get DeAndre Ayton or whoever and really try to push into the next level. Or maybe... They keep slipping, and he decides, you know what? It's not worth it to like go make an all-in move to try to salvage this group. Let's just kind of ride it out. Maybe we'll make the play in, and then try to do something bigger next month. I think what happens over the next two weeks is going to dictate that. 